Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, crime family. Brooke here. And I just wanted to take a moment to tell you all about the platform that I use to post all of our episodes. It's called Anchor, and you can find it at anchor.fm. We have our podcasts on all of the platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Radio Public, Audible, Amazon Music, and so many more. My favorite part about using Acre is that I only have to upload our episodes one time and it goes to all of those platforms. Not only does it copy my audio to all of the platforms, but it also carries over my title and description. Can you imagine if I had to do that individually on every platform? That would be a crazy situation. Am I right? Want to know the best part about Anchor? It's 100% free. So if you've thought about doing your own podcast and you need somewhere to start, we definitely recommend starting with Anchor. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, crime family, and welcome to True Crime State of Mind. I'm Andrea. And I'm Brooke, and this is your California episode. No Woo-hoo. doubt about it. Yeah, it's 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 been a week, guys. My husband's finally home. He was gone for, like, almost an entire month. So the last few days I've actually gotten some sleep, which is real nice. And well, that's I'm always a good that. thing, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So he um, he owns mines, like I've said before, and I don't know if y'all have heard, but they've been searching recently a mine shaft for Susan Powell, and they came across some bone fragments that they think might be her. But really? it's kind of yeah, and it's kind of I don't know I don't know what to believe. So I saw I saw the YouTube video where they did like the digging, and I showed it to Jeremy because I was like, "Is this by your mind?" Because when the whole Susan Powell thing was going down, the police actually approached him and asked if they could search his mine, which he obviously told them, of course you can. Um, because the reason is when in her diaries, when she says 
that um, they are going to uh, dugway geode beds and they get lost and they end up camping in some mine that they didn't know what it was. That's actually Jeremy's mine. That's one of Jeremy's mines. It's called Solar Wind. And it's mentioned in Cold, the podcast. And, um, and so they were thinking that maybe that might be where he dumped her body. But Jeremy was like, okay, there's a couple of problems with that. First of all, it is like four wheel drive required for the last like two miles to get up to the mine. And he was driving a minivan at the time. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, there's no way, no No way he got a minivan. And if he, if she, let's say she was already dead and he had to carry her for three miles. I don't think that was going to happen. Two miles. I don't think that was going to happen. Especially and another thing, having the kids there with him too. Yeah, how, I mean they might have been asleep. Well, yeah, that too. That's true. But it, I think it was snowing. I believe it was snowing that night mm-hmm. too. And um, and the other thing is that that so my husband owns five mines, and that particular mine is the one that he currently had his excavator at. So he's like, I can't imagine he would get there and be like, oh, there's this big huge equipment. I bet nobody ever comes here, and nobody's gonna find her. So right. he was like, I don't, he's like, I would have found her by now. Like he's out there all the time. And, uh, one of the other reasons that they thought that she might be there was also because one of the kids, I mean, the kids were young when they were interviewing mm-hmm. them too. I mean, they were like two and three or three and four. I mean, they were really young. And one of them had said something about the rattlesnake hill. And, uh, Jeremy has told me upon multiple occasions that there is a rattlesnake den that's right next to solar mine. And so they think that is what she called rattlesnake Hill when she was complaining about it in her diary. Um, so they, he thought maybe they thought maybe that, and I, I'm always teasing Jeremy, like one of these days you're going to come across bones out there and you're going to be the one who finds Susan Powell. But so they were digging in some mines and it was called the iron something mine. It's not Jeremy's mine. Um, and the reason that they were digging in that one was because they had had some tips about it and they had thought that that was the mine because it goes down super far. It's like 300 feet. Right. And um, apparently, like, there have been reports of people that have seen smoldering coming out of it. Ironside mine. That's what it's called. Um, and they're, they'd seen, like, smoldering coming out of it. Like, he had possibly thrown, or somebody had possibly thrown down a body and then lit it on fire. So there was like smoldering coming out of the mine. And so, but I mean, it's a mine that hasn't been used in a hundred years. And so, um, but then I read an article that was the, um, that was actually on our news here in Utah. And they were talking about how the, so the guy who, who was digging and found the mines, the YouTuber, he, uh, or sorry, not found the mines, found the bones, <laughs> found the bones <laughs> in the mine. Um, he had sent it to two different experts and one expert said it's definitely human remains. And the other expert said it's definitely not human remains. So there's that. Um, and then they also, I was reading an article that was, um, put out by the guy who act the reporter who did the cold podcast, because he'd had a lot of people ask him, you know, have you seen like, they're looking for Susan Powell's bones and they think they found her. And he was like, yeah, the mine that they think she's in has a very high probability that she's not in. And he outlines like all of the reasons why. And there's like 
tons of reasons why he's like, yeah, she's not in that mind. It's just like one of those kind of like folklore, old wives tale kind of legend, urban legends, like that it's not real and everybody thinks it's real. And so, yeah, he's like, I'm willing to bet that that is not her bones. However, it is, if it is human bones, maybe another family will get closure. Uh, Jeremy had been gone. He, he'd been in Arizona. And so he, he hadn't heard any of this. So when he got home, of course, he wanted to watch the YouTube video and he wanted to find out more. So he's the one who actually sent me the link for the the guy that did the cold podcast, um, like him kind of breaking it down as to why he doesn't think it, that they're going to find her. He wrote it before they actually found bones down there. But right. um, he like basically was saying if, you know, it, they're not going to find her there. And if they he didn't say anything about like if they do find bones, it's not going to be her. But that's kind of the gist of what I'm getting. So I kind of got like really excited about it. And then he sent me that link and I was like, Oh, oh man. <laughs> right? it's still interesting though. It's it still is still super interesting. And I mean, the thing is that it's one of those things where like, there's no real closure and nobody's really like, they've kind of forgotten about it because the person mm-hmm. who obviously did it is dead and died in a horrific way. Um, so if you don't know, he killed himself and his two little boys in his house by blowing it up but first he uh hit them with an axe Mm -hmm. hit the little boys with an axe i mean it's just a horrible horrible story um but because he's already dead like they i think they kind of just kind of brushed it under the well like it doesn't really matter that we didn't find susan we're just gonna assume she's dead but they you know the person who did it is already dead so they've just kind of forgotten about it so it's really sad so it is sad it was kind of so sad um, I don't know. It got my hopes up that they might actually have found her. So mm-hmm. I, I have no doubt that she is out there. I really, really do think that she is out there in the West Desert somewhere. I just don't right. know that it's that mine. <laughs> so <laughs> to be continued, I guess. Um, anyways, so this, the, the case that we're doing today is crazy twisty and there's a ton of people involved. So we're going to get on that because it is seriously crazy. Um, I am so excited. I know. It is so, like, there's, there there were so many rabbit holes. Like, it was like, oh, I need to, you know, dive down this rabbit hole because of this thing that happened. And then I'm diving down this other rabbit hole. And then I'm like, oh, I need to remember that I need to dive down that rabbit hole. And there was just so much going on. It was crazy. And the only sad thing that I had about, well, I mean, obviously it's sad because people died, but I mean, like the only crappy thing about, uh, this case is that I could not find any pictures of any of the victims. None. Zero. Really? Yes. I found tons of pictures of the perpetrator and, uh, like lots of pictures of him, different pictures of him from like when he, he's, so he's a cop. So Pictures of him when he was a cop, pictures of him when he court, pictures of him now, all kinds of things, but no pictures of any of the victims, which I thought was really, I mean, one of them has a very common name, so that one I'm not super surprised about, but the other ones do not, and I was really surprised I could not find them anywhere. I couldn't even find them on FamilySearch.org, because I was looking on there, yeah, to find out, like, if they had any kids and things like that, but no couldn't even find him on there so i mean there's a lot of information about the story but not any pictures so i was really surprised hmm. um so let's dive right into california no doubt about it california 
No, no doubt about it. it. <laughs> uh, so this is the case of Mild Bill, or so he is called, and his name is really William Leisure, and he was born in 1946 in Michigan. Uh, he served in the Marine Corps. He went to Vietnam. Once he was discharged from the military, he moved to L.A. to become a cop. He wanted a warmer climate because Michigan is cold. So he went to Very L.A. Cold. because, yeah. So he was like, I want some warmer weather. I'm going to go to L.A. <laughs> and be part of the LAPD because you know how I much we all love the him. LAPD. Um, but he actually was a traffic cop in LAPD or LAPD in L.A. Uh, for 17 years. So for a long time, he was a traffic wow. cop. And he was nicknamed Mild Bill because he was very quiet, very shy. He was kind of known to be the guy that wrote a lot of warnings and didn't write a lot of tickets. But he had really big dreams of having a lot, but not really having to work for it, like a private island, nice cars. I mean, don't we all? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 1974, he marries Betsy, who is an L.A. city attorney. So she got the big bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and they met because he was testifying in one of her cases. And so after only three years of being married to her, though, he meets Terry. And Terry is 18 years old. And Bill is 30 years old. And he meets her because she's stranded on the side of the road with a stalled vehicle. And he fixes her car and then is like, hey, can I get your number? Maybe <laughs> call me. Call me, maybe. It's a singing <laughs> episode, apparently. <laughs> and we cannot sing, by the way, everybody. Uh, no, we can, no, we cannot I sing. cannot sing. I like to sing. I sing. sing. You know, I am I'm a huge singer in the car. Like, I... I am the person in the car that's like, turns it up when it's a good song, belts it out. And if you pull up next to me and you look mm. over at me, I'm going to sing to you. Because <laughs> that's just I'm who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sing to you. So you're going to get serenaded if you pull up next to me in the car. <laughs> um, but he asks her on a date and they start dating. But Terry doesn't know that he's married. And uh, so... We're already starting off to a good start, right? LAPD cop. Yep. Married. Has an 18-year-old girlfriend, even though he's 30. Gross. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, but, you know, Bill's kind of got a little bit of everything. Like, he has... With the combined income of him and his wife, who's a lawyer, he's able to buy a bunch of toys. He has a yacht. He has a nice car. Um, and so he... He buys a sailboat, a yacht, and because of this yacht, he starts to become friends with a guy named Robert Coons. So Coons teaches Bill all about boating. He teaches him how to sail, teaches him the ins and outs of, of having a boat and owning a boat. And this is Rob's... So Rob is a um, a felon. He's He has a criminal past, mostly for armed robbery, um, you know, a little bit of stealing here and there <laughs> but his this is his job like okay this is a crazy job so rob's job is that these rich people will have a boat and they'll be like i'm a i'm gonna become a sailor i'm gonna have a yacht and they'll sail like up the coast of california but then they'll get up there and they'll like won't have time to sail it back 
So he will go up there and then he'll sail it back for them. That's his job. He sails boats <laughs> back to their dock, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's kind of a cool job for a felon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a cool job anyway. Yes. Um, so, so Bill has that friend. Okay, there's a lot of friends of Bill's. So just keep that in mind. So now Bill has another friend and Bill, this friend's name is Art. His name, real name's Arthur, but he goes by Art. And he does insurance adjustment work, but he owns his own company. And he meets Bill because Bill uh, testifies in a case. No, Art helps Bill with a case that he's involved in. So Art and his wife, Anne, spend a lot of time with Bill and Betsy. Like, they kind of go on double dates a lot. They go out to dinner, you know, out for drinks. They get to know each other really well. And... Um, and doesn't really work. She has, so Art has a successful business, so she doesn't really have to work, but she does occasionally help out in her mom's beauty salon. And so, um, Bill's kind of like jealous of Anne, cause Bill's kind of Anne in the situation. Cause his wife is like the sugar mama, <laughs> but he still works. <laughs> Um, obviously he's a traffic cop, but yeah, he is, he, and he kind of wants that situation where he doesn't have to work and he just kind of has all this money. Right. But so he kind of is a little, uh, jealous of Anne, but then, so, okay. We, so we got Bill with his friend, Art and Anne and his wife, Betsy. And then he has a friend, Robert Coons. He has a mistress named Terry. So then Terry breaks the news to Bill that she's pregnant. So now oh, we got a pregnant course. mistress. Yes, of course. <laughs> so she's 18, he's 30, and he's at first he's kind of like, yeah, like my my girl's pregnant. He starts parading her around town. Like he's going on dates with his mistress openly. I mean, his wife's a, a lawyer, so she works a lot. So he's able to like take her out on the town. He even takes her to dinner with Anne and Art. What? And Anne and yeah, and Art's like, yeah, this is this cool guy, and he has this really beautiful mistress, and blah blah blah. It's no big deal. And Anne's kind of like, nah, I really think we should tell Betsy about this. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> this is real shitty. Like, I feel really bad. Like, I feel bad for Betsy. Absolutely. And, yeah. And then Anne finds out that Terry is pregnant, and so she's oh. like, okay, now I really want to tell Anne. But Art's like, no, you cannot tell Anne. Like, you know, Bill is one of my best friends. You can't break up this marriage. Like, he's happy. You know, if it's if she finds out, then that's that's cool. But it's none of our business. Like, don't just don't put your nose in it. I mean, it is the seventies, so you know, there's yeah. that, I guess. <laughs> uh, and Bill's like, can't leave Betsy, obviously, because she's his sugar mama. So he's like. <laughs> Oh, no, what I do? And he's, it's getting to that point where, like, he, so, Anne finds out that Terry is pregnant, but Terry, it's not like Terry's showing. Like, she's not for very far along. I'm sure right. it was something, like, where they went to dinner, and she just said something like, I can't have wine with dinner, or something like that. And Anne's like, oh, are you pregnant? And she's like, yeah. But see, Terry still does not know that Bill is married. So, not how, only... How, though? Right? I'm like, how? How, does, how has Anne and Bill not, like, slipped and said something? Like, oh, well, especially Anne. Like, yeah, especially Anne, because she's friends with Betsy. She's like, I really yeah. like Betsy. We really get along. You know, what's the deal? So then, so Bill's kind of, like, 
parading her around town, but then he's like, oh, shit, like, what am I going to do? Like, it's getting to that point where, like, you know, I got to either pick one or the other because I can't, I how am I going to have a baby with a mistress and me and my wife don't have any kids, you know? Yeah. And so he blows up at Terry and tells her that she has to get an abortion or he's going to leave her. And so she gets an abortion. Aww. So he doesn't have any kids. Um, so on, then on May 29th, 1980, so now we're getting into the actual crime. So on May 29th, 1980, a burglar came into the salon located in Highland Park in the early morning with a gun, which is where Anne works for her mom's salon. Yeah. So he comes in and he, you know, he's like, this is a holdup. Give me all your money. And Anne gives him her purse and she's like. Yeah, or, I mean, sorry, he is like, I, I don't want your purse. Like, I want the big bucks. Where's the big bucks? I want the safe, you know, the, the register. And she's like, there's no safe, but there's a register in the back of the building. And so he's like, yeah, I want the register. I want the register. So he, like, pulls her to the back of the salon and to the back of the salon. And the salon has, like, her mom's there. They've got a couple clients in there. So it's not empty. Right. And he takes, he pulls her to the back of the salon. She gives him the seven dollars that's in the register because it's early morning duh seven dollars (laughs) seven dollars okay so she gives him the seven dollars that's in the register and he uh shoots her in the back of the head and then as she falls i think it's just one shot i believe it's just Mm -hmm. one shot and so he shoots her and it kills her and this is just like a mom and pop shop it's not like a chain it's not fantastic sands or great clips <laughs> it's just like a mom and pop shop i mean they're not going to have a lot of money and it's early in the morning where they're not going to have you know the whole day's worth of money in the register and right. so when the police arrive they're just kind of like this just seems wrong like why would somebody rob a shop that's not going to have a lot of money and at the time of day when they're going to have the least amount of money. And so Anne's mother was there and she wasn't, she didn't see her get shot, but obviously she saw her right after and saw that she had died. And so she describes the shooter as short, kind of disheveled and like greasy with a ball cap on. And that's like all she could get out. She's like, you know, I was paying attention to the gun. I wasn't really... She's like, I really thought that he was just going to take her back there, take the money out of the register and leave out the back door. And that would be that. Um, Mm -hmm. She had no idea that he was going to shoot her. And and so Anne's sister-in-law and other friends and family are pointing the finger at her husband and being like, he did this because um, their marriage is in trouble. He's very controlling. She's miserable. And she had actually asked, and then the sister-in-law says, you know what? She'd actually asked him for a divorce a month ago. And you know, come to think of it, that was on their sixth anniversary, their sixth wedding anniversary. And you know what else? Their divorce hearing is tomorrow. That's weird. Yeah. That's (laughs) a bit of a coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. Not suspicious at all. And so... Um, they're like, oh, that's interesting. Well, let's go talk to Art. So they go and the cops go and they talk to Art. And um, they find that he knows that she had discovered that he actually had a condo, like an extra condo and hidden money. And 
that, but he's like, no, I, you know, I wasn't there. I was, you know, he had his alibi. He's like, I wasn't there. And then Bill and Betsy meet with Art and they're like, we'll get justice for Anne. And he's like, he's like playing the part, you know, I'm devastated. You know, my wife, and though we were getting divorced, I mean, he doesn't even say anything. He doesn't even offer up like, yeah, we're getting divorced or anything like that. Right. So a lady named Elvia Persico shows up at the police station and she says she knows some secrets. And she says she knows who shot Anne and that it was her husband, Charles Persico. And she says, Charles is a drug addict. He has a history of theft and drug crimes. He's known to frequent the area. So then detectives focused on Persico. And they start talking to Charles. And they're like, you know, where were you at this time and this day? And he's like, I was so high, you guys. (laughs) I have no idea where I was. I mean, did I kill a lady? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it could have happened. Who knows? (laughs) Right? Who knows at this point? (laughs) Right? He's just like, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, maybe I did. I don't remember where I was. Like, I was blackout high. Is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. I've never been blackout high. Maybe either, but I'm sure there's probably another word for it, but yes. Right? I've been blackout drunk. (laughs) I mean, yep. Yep. (laughs) He's like, I don't remember anything, guys. It's possible I did it. And so he pleads guilty, and he gets six years for manslaughter, and the case is closed. So this guy did it. So then, um, years later, so that was in 1980. So years later, in 1986, Bill has kind of pulled away mostly from Terry, but he was still kind of seeing her, but he pulled away from her mostly. And he kind of starts hanging out more with his felon friend, Rob Kuntz. I mean, why not? So it, I don't have a mistress anymore. Maybe I'll hang out with my burglar here, my burglary <laughs> friend. So at this time, the police are investigating this, like, huge yacht pirating ring. So basically what happens is they were having all these yachts that would be stolen, and then they would strip it of its name, any, like, identifying factors, then they'd rename it, they'd bring up fake documents, and then they'd resell it. And so it's a multi-million dollar uh, ring because they're selling these, like, million-dollar yachts. And so police begin to target a particular yacht named La Vida that they believe is part of this ring along with four other boats. But they know where La Vida is going to be at a certain time. So when they get to, they go to this boat and they apprehend it in May of 1986, they're surprised to find Bill on board. So... They go to the yacht, and they're they're like, Rob Kuntz, you know, raise your hands and turn around, and, and Bill's there with him. And so they're like, okay, Bill's a LAPD, and he's like, I'm LAPD, I'm LAPD, I don't know what's going on, what's going on? So he insists that he's not involved in this yacht crime, and that he's only there to, quote, help out a friend. Uh, but they're like, yeah, we're still going to arrest you. <laughs> yeah, this is a little suspicious, guy. Right? So they arrest him anyway, and they kind of keep him locked up while the investigation, while they do the investigation, because um, they can, because they are charging him with theft, because he, or uh, possession of stolen items or something like that, because he's on the yacht that's that right. ha- was stolen. And so... Then they find out that 
Rob would actually like case out the yachts and decide which ones would be the easiest to steal, and then he and Bill would steal them. That was their theory, because they both they both know how to sail. Because Rob taught Bill how to sail. Rob's job is sailing, so right. Um, right? So Bill kind of tries to like sweet talk his way out of it. And, uh, you know, being like, but I'm LAPD and he's just a friend and I know he's had a past, but I had no idea he was this involved. And they're like, yeah, we're not buying it, buddy. And they charge him with seven counts of grand theft. (laughs) (laughs) So Batsy, which is Bill's wife, she's a lawyer, remember? So she stands by her man. She believes it's not true. She believes he really was just caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because she know she's met Rob, and she's like, yeah, they're friends. Like they sail together, and um, there's there's suspicion that she might be involved because they go to search his home because you know grand theft is a big deal, and he has all these boats. Obviously, he's not hiding a boat at his home, but they do find at his home he's in possession of many valuables and guns that he shouldn't be able to afford with their income, and he also has a stolen T bird in his possession. <laughs> And (laughs) yeah, and it's later to be found that it was reported stolen by his partner. So it's kind of like like his cop cart partner. Yeah. So and then so then they charge him with insurance fraud because he they they think that he and his partner kind of had this thing going where he like he took the car and then his partner reported it as stolen and got the insurance money and then he split it with Bill but Bill got to keep the T-Bird kind of thing. Yeah. And oh so so I, I mean I couldn't find anything where they charged his partner with anything so it's possible that he his partner was not in on it and he really did steal it <laughs> to like kind of help like maybe his partner was like oh I'm kind of strapped for cash and he's like I know a way I can help you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible, but I don't know. So, and I, it, I couldn't find anything that said that if they charged his partner or anything like that. Um, but they also find a diary with handwritten details of yacht sales recorded in it. So, basically, it's like, oh, we we stole this one, and it's worth this much, and we sold it for that much, and <laughs> oh so that's a little convincing there. Um, yeah. And it all this diary in particular also leads officers to another friend of Bill's named Dennis France. So then they decide, oh, let's bring in Dennis France and see what he has to say. And he Dennis, so Dennis is forty five years old, and he sings like a canary. <laughs> He's like, I'll tell you everything. Um, Let me tell you what happened. Right. I got it all. I know it all. <laughs> So they bring him in and he's, he's getting, he says he's nervous because Bill is in jail and he thinks that they brought him in because Bill snitched on him for crimes that they had committed together. And so he's like, I'm a snitch first before he snitches on me kind of thing. And so. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. (laughs) Right? So he's like, I'm, I'm gonna tell, I'll tell you guys everything. I'll tell you everything, but I want immunity. And so they're like, okay, okay, we'll give you immunity. And he's like, no, no, I want it in paper. Like write it down, you know, I want this official, I want immunity from everything. Then they're like, okay, okay, because they're thinking, oh, he's involved in this yacht stealing ring, and, you know, if he doesn't, if he helps us to get Bill, and he's like our last link, then we don't, you know, it's it's fine if he gets immunity, like, that's okay. So they get it all settled that he has no, um, he gets immunity, he doesn't get any time for any of the crimes that he's about to confess to. 
And so they're like, okay. So he, so then he starts spilling his guts and he says, oh yeah, we're involved in all these things. We break into places and we steal stuff. I help them steal the boats. I help them sell the boats. Um, we're also involved in buying silencers for guns and stockpiling guns. So he has like a whole room in his house that has like just a bunch of guns that they stockpiled (laughs) that they're selling like stolen guns, I guess. I don't know if they're stolen, but they're stockpiling guns. And then the climatic reveal murder, Murder. the big moida. Yes. So he get remember he gets immunity. So he gets immunity even though he Ugh. they've done all these things. But they're thinking, oh, he, he stole a few things, not like, oh, he killed somebody. <laughs> right. So that, that's what I knew you were gonna say. I'm like, they're gonna he's gonna admit to murder on there. Uh huh. And he's not going to go to jail for it. Yep. So. Exactly. I so he it. says that he and Bill went way back, and that he was the trigger man who killed two people for Bill. He was the trigger so man is, and he didn't go yeah, to jail? Yeah, he was the... Tr- yeah, exactly. He's the one who killed the people, oh but he didn't go to jail because he had this blanket immunity. And I'm like, oh damn, gosh. he's a smart dude to be like, hey, give me immunity. Right. Like, yeah, I'm like, I wonder if from then on they're like, uh, when they drop like immunity plans, they're like, yeah, you're immune from everything except murder. murder. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> um, so he tells them like everything about Bill. He says, we, we go way back. I killed two people for him. And they're like oh damn that's not what we expected (laughs) right (laughs) they thought he was gonna confess to like oh we stole some yachts and stuff (laughs) yeah you know the stuff that's non-violent yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so he claims that bill paid him three thousand five hundred dollars to kill Anne, which was art's wife that was shot in the beauty salon so he claims and he also claims that bill was the one who drove the getaway car so he says that Bill didn't tell him why he's like, he didn't, he didn't tell him why he was killing this woman. He didn't tell him, you know, really who she was, but that all that she, he told him was that it was for a guy named art. So then police question art, the husband of Anne, And he's like, right. uh, this case is already solved. What are you guys talking about? Like, there's already a guy in jail for this. I don't have anything to do with this. I don't know why you're talking to me. Right. And they're like, well, I mean, you're right. There is a guy in jail who confessed to it. So not just like some random person. Like this is somebody who said, yeah, I might have done it. So I'm just going to do the time for it. <laughs> I might have done it because I, I might have done kite. it. So <laughs> Bill took <laughs> Bill took uh, Dennis to the beauty salon and they go. They're parked out in front. And Bill's like, just go in there. Just shoot her. Come out the back door and I'll be at the back door waiting for you and we'll drive away. And Dennis is like, but there's other people in there. Like it's broad daylight, early morning. There's a whole bunch of people in there. Like, aren't I going to get caught? Like, how am I not going to get caught? And he's like, dude, I paid you. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, dude, I paid you $3,500. And so he's like, okay, fine. So he goes in there (laughs) and he does the whole thing where he pulls her to the back of the salon Shoots her, runs out the back door, and he claims that Bill drove him away. So he was the getaway driver. So then, if you'll remember, right, there was two murders. So the second murder was in September 1981, 
And so the first one, Anne, was in May of 1980. So this is like a year and a half later, year and a few months later. Right. Um, September 1981, and it was a hit on a jazz singer named Antonio, or Tony, de los Reyes. So he was 40 years old, and Dennis says it's to help a friend of Bill's inherit Tony's family's tortilla business. Who knew tortilla business was so lucrative, right? I mean, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I guess so. In 1981, <laughs> everybody's buying tortillas, apparently. <laughs> So the friend is Tony's ex-wife, whose name is Paulette de los Reyes. She's 44 years old. Uh, so Paulette then also faces first-degree murder charges and, because Dennis is, you know, it was her. She was the one who put the hit on Tony because Tony left her and now she's going to lose. Like, she was married to him. They owned the tortilla business together, but... They're divorced, and now t she's kind of pissed because Tony has a new girlfriend. And so she's like, I want you to kill him before we're, like, really divorced. They were just, like, separated but not, like, finalized divorce so that I can inherit this tortilla business. And so uh, this was one of the rabbit holes that I dove down because I'm like, oh, now I need to know where Paulette is and what's going on with her. <laughs> so, yeah, so many rabbit holes. So yeah. eventually um, she is sentenced to life in prison. Paulette is. So Dennis said that he was initially told he was just going to rob Tony. So he had a loaded gun, but he was like, Dennis, or sorry, Bill told me I'm just going to rob him so that I can give the money to his ex-wife, to Paulette. So Dennis is like, I guess he's leaving a bar in Sherman Oaks with his girlfriend and he made his way to his car. And then after Tony put his girlfriend in a car, what a gentleman. Like, puts what her in a, a car. Nice guy. <laughs> and then he starts walking around to the other side. And Dennis is there. And he holds him up with... It's a shotgun, too. Like, a full-ass shotgun. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. So then Dennis says that he told Bill... He's like, hey, Bill, Tony's giving me his wallet, you know? And... Well, he didn't say, hey, Bill, because they didn't know it was him. <laughs> he was just like, hey, he's giving me his wallet. And Bill just said, shoot, shoot! And so he panicked, and he shot and killed Tony. Shot him three times. And so the reason that the cops are like, okay, we're kind of believing Dennis's story because he took them to the murder scene was like, this is where it happened. This is where he was. This is where I was. This is the gun type of gun I used. This is the trajectory. So like, he was like, this is the direction I held it. And this is where I kill, where I hit him. So they were like, okay. Cause this murder was unsolved at this time. So this is 1986. So this is five years after this murder. And he's like, this murder was still unsolved. Like, they thought it was just a mugging. Like, the girlfriend didn't see who did it. So, um, and then, again, in that one, Bill's the runaway driver. Or getaway driver. Not runaway driver. And, uh... Runaway driver. The runaway driver. So then, <laughs> here's another rabbit hole <laughs> that I dove down. Yet another one. Yet another one. And then, so then, and then... So then Dennis also alluded that there was a third murder but bill was not brought up on charges for this one because the only tie that dennis claimed that bill had to this murder was that he happened to be at the person who pulled the trigger he happened to be at his apartment when bill came over to pay him for the murder so it's kind of, like, loosely, like, they're like, oh, we don't know if we can really, mm. like, we're going to say it might have been him, but we're not going to charge him with it. 
And this murder was the murder of Gilberto Cervantes. And he was 76 years old. And he is, wait for it, Tony's stepfather. Oh, my god. The gosh. second murder. So... This guy was killed in 1977. So this is two years or three years before Anne was murdered, four years before Tony was murdered. And he was murdered so that Tony and Paulette could inherit the very same tortilla factory that led oh to Tony's gosh. death. Yes. So they're What's all fighting going on over with tortillas? tortillas back then. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Seriously. I know. I'm like, what? Over a tortilla factory? This must be some damn good tortillas. I mean... That's an aluc- yeah. a lucrative company, I guess. Who knew? Like, I really... <laughs> I was like, what? Over tortillas? Seriously. <laughs> so he's... He was 76, and it was in May of 1977 that he was killed. And so the story goes that Dennis was at his friend, another Dennis's house, and Bill came over with, like, a thousand dollar partial payment for that murder and the total payment ended up being thirty five hundred dollars which was exactly the same amount that dennis was paid for ann's murder so that's mm-hmm. a little fishy oh, uh, a, little, a little suspect mm-hmm. yeah so um so after he was killed tony and paulette did inherit the tortilla factory but then tony and paulette are separated and now Paulette's like, but I want the tortilla factory. So Tony needs to die. So crazy, right? And round and round we go and now we're back. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's <laughs> definitely a rabbit hole. You right? Yeah. So in in Gilberto's murder, um the guy that his name's Dennis, the other Dennis, his last name's Weinbau, so we'll call him Weinbau. So Weinbau was the trigger man for Gilberto Cervantes' death. And Dennis, our Dennis, Dennis France, was the getaway driver in that murder. And the only thing that Weinbau told Dennis about this murder was a police officer wanted it done. So, could have been Bill, but they don't ever charge him with it. So Weinbau, after this murder, he then flees to Oklahoma and he, I guess he's fr- he claims he was from Oklahoma, but um, he's actually buried in like Arkansas, I think it is. But he claims like my whole family grew up in Oklahoma. That's why I went to Oklahoma. But I think he just went to Oklahoma to hide because he fled there right after the murder. He didn't really know anybody there. And he becomes a security guard. And he's not caught or char- in charge with the murder until Dennis France spilled his guts to police upon Bill's arrest. So in 1986, they... Uh, they're like, oh, this Weinbau guy did this murder in 1977. And so they go and they find him in Oklahoma and they charge him with first degree murder and he is convicted in 1989 and receives a life sentence. So there's another one. <laughs> another oh rabbit gosh. hole. Yes, another one. <laughs> yes. So then detectives are like, well, we're going to have Dennis go undercover as an informant and go talk to Bill about all of these because like we're giving this dude immunity and all he did is like told us these things like he hasn't really done much and he's not even going to go to jail and he killed these people so like we're going to send him into the jail and we're going to record their conversation and i don't know if this is before like all conversations in the jail were recorded or why they had to send him into a jail wired like that just seems weird i guess maybe yeah. it's different times i guess yeah. um but 
Bill is pretty smart, and he's like, you know what? I think that they're recording us. So he's saying things, but he's got, like, a notepad in front of him, and he's writing things down and showing it to Dennis. And he's saying things, like, he's writing things. He's saying things like, yeah, yeah, we're good, good. Like, Betsy's still a lawyer, and she's trying to get me out of this, and she's doing okay, and she's standing behind me. But on the paper, a pad, a paper, he's writing down, like, don't say anything, like, things like that. So they're talking, and Bill's just not giving anything up because he's, like, not saying anything because he's being, he, he knows he's being audio recorded. But the thing he right. doesn't know is that Dennis is also video recording him. But he doesn't realize this. So oh, he's thinking I'm being all smart and I'm writing these things down so they can't hear it, but they can see it on the video. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> Whoopsie-daisy. <laughs> so he's just, he's really not giving anything up and he's writing all these things down and he's th- saying things like, dump everything illegal to Dennis. And they're like, ooh, that's a good one. Like, we, we can get him on that. And then he says, he writes down another note, and he says, melt the gun down. And they're like, oh, we got him. That's it. He's done for. (laughs) Like, we're convicting him. And just then, Bill's like, what's that? And Tony's like, what? And he's like, are you videotaping me? And Tony's like, what? What? Who do you think I am? And Bill just jumps up and runs away. So they don't get any more, but they they got all they needed. Yeah. Um, so then he's charged with the two counts of first degree murder for hire for Tony and Anne. And Art also gets charged with first degree murder for arranging the murder of Anne. So then they have, they, but the problem is that they still have this other guy, Prosecco, that is in jail. So they right. end up exonerating him completely. And, um, so he ends up getting out of jail immediately. Like they, they arrest Art, charge him with first degree. Like he goes to, um, on trial and everything and he gets, he gets first degree murder and he's sentenced to life in prison and they let Charles Prosecco go. So Betsy, Bill's wife is also facing perjury charges because the police felt like she was complicit in some of the crimes, but lied about Mm -hmm. it on the stand. So they had caught her saying that she had purchased a car from her father, saving $600 in taxes, when in actuality, she had bought it from Art Smith himself. And so at the time she was charged, um, she was a supervising attorney for the special operations section of the city attorney's criminal branch. But after she was charged with these, they were like, yeah, we're, that seems kind of sketch. Like, we don't want you, you know, working for the city in such high regard. So they reduced her to doing civil clerk work. But in 1989, a jury actually acquitted her of any knowledge of the stolen property. But they're like, you know, we can't prove that she knew. But at the same time, like, she had stolen vehicles on her property. Right. She had, they they owned a boat, they had, like, all these lavish, like, jewelry and items, like, that they couldn't afford. Like, where did she think that was coming from? Like. Exactly. Yeah. Seriously, so, lady. I mean, it was kind of, she was just kind of playing the, like, stupid, like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they were gifts from his friends. I mean, he's got a lot of friends. Yeah, he, <laughs> no he does have a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, she was acquitted, though. And I couldn't find anything about, like, where she is now or if she's still an attorney. I couldn't find anything about that. Um, but Bill is now 75 years old. So, he was he was actually um, convicted and sentenced to 15 years to life 
And so he does get parole. He gets in his first parole was in 1995, I believe. But the thing about parole is that you have to admit your guilt and you have to show remorse. And he has not shown or done either of those things. And so he's still in jail. And this was in 1986. And he's still in jail. So he's now 75 years old. He's in jail at the Mule Creek State Prison. And I found one source that was then again copied and pasted and re-spat out on other websites, but it said literally the exact same wording, so I don't know if it's true. But it said that he was granted parole in August of 2021, but if you look up uh, inmate records in California, it still shows him as an inmate now in February 2022. It still shows him as an inmate. So I don't think he was, if he was granted, I don't know how long parole takes. I feel like parole is like you're granted parole and then you're out. It's not like you're granted parole and you wait like six months for processing. Yeah. But I, I don't and know. I, I'm always, I'm like wondering if COVID has something to do something with, to do with it. timelines. But I, mm-hmm. I always thought if you were granted parole that you were let out within like a Immediately. week or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. But I, they, and like I said, it was one source. It was Inquisitor.com. And then that same, like, the actual paragraph that it says, like, he that prison records show that he was granted parole in August of 2021 was, like, literally copied and pasted in, like, several different websites. Uh-huh. So I don't know if any of them in were. And I was like, the Inquisitor, though, that's like that, that newspaper that always spouts, like, the weird lies right and i'm like oh no wait that's inquirer <laughs> yeah i was i was thinking that too and i'm like no wait it's inquirer <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so i'm like uh i don't know if i i don't know which which is right i mean i would probably trust the the fact that the california state prison still says he's there so yeah, and that he's same. 75 years old now so i think that's probably right um, Dennis Weinbau. So he is the one who pulled the trigger on Gilberto Cervantes. So the earliest murderer that was the stepdad of Tony. He, um, was convicted in 1989, but he died in 1991. And I couldn't find any kind of information as to, uh, like what he died of or if he died in prison or anything like that. Like I found even, a obituary, but all it said was that he died in L.A., and that he's buried in Arkansas. But in 1985, he had a heart attack. So it's possible he had another one. But he was only 51 when he died. Wow. So I guess all that stress so of, yeah, all that stress of, you know, being on the run for killing somebody will do that to yeah. you, I guess. Um, and then <laughs> Charles Prosecco, the one that was uh, jailed, that took the six years of uh, prison time for manslaughter... Um, he ended up being paid $150,000 by the city of Los Angeles in a settlement, um, which was a lawsuit against the LAPD for its handling of the case because they, he was like, I don't know, maybe I did it. I was pretty high. I'm not sure. And they're like, (laughs) guilty. (laughs) So, and then on September 14th, 1992, he was awarded another $4.8 million in a federal civil rights case for his wrongful conviction constituting both compensatory and punitive damages, and this amounted in $2,000 each day for the 1,659 days that he spent in prison. Oh, my gosh. Um, so there's no records that have ever been lo- indicated, located that have indicated that he ever received the money awarded to him, 
1992, he was awarded $4.8 million, but we, I don't know if he really was given it or not. Yeah, um, most likely not. <laughs> but he was, if you go to, I can't remember what the website exactly was called, but it was something like um, the United States exonerees or something like that he's listed on there because his his crime was actually he was completely exonerated of the crime obviously he didn't do it right um but he was completely exonerated of it so it's not on his record anywhere or anything like that so that's good um yeah so that's my my crazy rabbit hole story guys of california you did not let us down california that one you did not (laughs) wild and uh there was a book called murderer behind the badge i want to say pretty sure it's murderer behind the badge that sounds um yeah that was really good and it talks all about this case and uh goes into a lot of depth and so that one was really good um so yeah follow us on all the socials guys we're true crime state of mind on everything except for twitter and snapchat we're true crime state um make sure you check out our youtube channel subscribe we do, if you like visuals, like you like to see all the pictures of the people we're talking about while we talk about them, that's a good place to see it. Although I do not have pictures of any of these people, <laughs> except for <laughs> Bill. <laughs> oh, no, I do have a picture of Robert Koontz. That's right. I have his mugshot. But all the, I couldn't even find the mugshots of the other people. Maybe because it was the 70s and 80s and it was too yeah, long ago. Maybe. But I mean, I really couldn't find it. And Ann Smith is such a common name that I, and Art Smith, mm-hmm. such a common name. I couldn't really find what else oh also um if you're a patreon you also get this episode on sunday instead of monday so that'll be available for you on sunday if you're a patreon if not then you'll get to hear this on monday the what's that 21st Uh sounds right (laughs) um and then we will be recording our bonus patreon episode here pretty soon and this one's going to be the um Oh, it's about prisoners who got married in prison. So that's going to be be a a good one. one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And our next episode is going to be Nevada or Nevada for you weirdos. And (laughs) it's not Nevada. (laughs) No, don't say it. They'll get mad at you. (laughs) Right. Andrea lived there for a time, guys. Um, So did my other (laughs) in-laws. Well, that was a crazy situation. Right? (laughs) 